Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode with Rachel Gregory today. Uh, I really liked the fact that she talked about creating a vision and kind of taking a step back and instead of just, you know, the normal approach maybe of setting a couple goals or just kind of getting into the, I want to lose some weight or I want to change the way I'm eating, kind of taking a step back and really looking at the long-term plan and, and where do you really see yourself in maybe three to five years and, and looking at that kind of end game and then working backwards. Uh, so it's kind of a different maybe approach than just the standard uh, weightlifters or nutritionists. So I really like that aspect and think you'll enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed our talk with Rachel today. I think she does a great job of just laying out a very strategic way of achieving goals. I like that her approach is more about a long-term plan, uh, like David said, and not just some, you know, I got to fit into a wedding dress in three months or whatever. I mean, she's looking at a two-year plan, which I thought was really impactful. And uh, she talks about, you know, the things that a lot of women struggle with, which I thought was an important message to get out there. You know, not enough protein, maybe not eating enough, period. Uh, they're under, under eating, uh, trying to restrict, 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 and still wondering why they don't hit their goals. Um, she talks about body composition, but in terms of, you know, building muscle, not just losing uh, scale weight. So all these things I think are very important and to hear it from a female perspective, I think is powerful. And uh, the way Rachel describes this stuff is, is very easy to follow and understand. So um, this is a great episode. I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Healthy Team, Healthy Business. We're very excited today to have guest Rachel Gregory. Um, Rachel joins us from her place in California. Rachel is a co-host of the Muscle Science for Women podcast. And um, creator of the FlexFam um, kind of program for muscle fitness, nutrition, all that kind of fun stuff, and her coaching program that she does. And Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. So we reached out to Rachel uh, because of her background with um, nutrition coaching and things like that. And David and I are trying to make connections with people who see a lot of clients who can kind of keep enlightening us and our members on or our, our listeners on um, what are the issues that the average person has out there? How can they fix them? What are the approaches that people take? There's someone like you that's coached a lot of folks was very interesting to us, specifically for some of the stuff we'll get into in a little while. You had a background in keto, um, which we wanted to find some specific dietary protocols to talk about. And then um, also you've had, had quite a fitness journey. So that's been fun. But so can you just give us a little bit of background on that for our listeners so that they might not be familiar with you, um, how you got where you are today? Sure. Um, I'll try to keep this to like five minutes or less. Okay. <laughs> um, I tend to go down rabbit holes. Um, so if at any time you want to interrupt me during this podcast, please feel free. Okay. Um, <laughs> I talk a lot. Okay. Um, okay so I... Um, I grew up in Manhattan, New York. Um, that's where my family is still located. And I was just grew up playing sports my whole life. Um, I started getting into paying attention more to nutrition, probably like later on in high school. Um, and I ended up uh, going to undergrad for athletic training, sports medicine. That's what I thought I wanted to do with my life. I thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer as kind of my career. Um, and I went to University of Miami for undergrad. And I like my junior year of college, I took, I think it was my first nutrition class. And I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> I really like this. Um, not that I didn't like uh, athletic training. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much um, and I wouldn't go back and change my experience at all. Um, but I did, you know, 
kind of develop this, I guess, passion for nutrition a little bit more than the sports medicine side of things. Um, so I knew that I wanted to go on and kind of pursue that further. So I went to grad school um, at James Madison University up uh, in your neck of the woods in Virginia. And I worked as a graduate assistant athletic trainer and uh, got my master's degree in nutrition and ex-phys. Um, and when I was there, I did a, for my master's thesis, I did the first uh, kind of first ever study looking at, um, or the first study of its kind, looking at a ketogenic protocol in non-elite average, you know, everyday Joe CrossFitters. Um, and so that's where that was back in 2015, I believe. Yeah, it was in 2015. And that's when I like kind of started the study. It was a, it's a two, it was a two year thing. The, The study got published in 2017 and that's really where when keto started to become popular, um, or at least get popular again, (laughs) um, we go through ebbs and flows, you know, throughout the years with nutrition where things start to, um, kind of get popular and then they go back down. And then like 10 years later, they become popular again. Um, you know, Adkins keto, all that, all that jazz. So it was, it kind of was happening all at the same time. So I kind of got lucky in that sense. Um, and that's what kind of propelled me into the keto world. Um, I was also doing a lot of CrossFit at that point and, uh, if you, you know, pay attention to anything sports and nutrition related, typically, uh, CrossFit and keto are not cohesive things. Um, and so I wanted to kind of look at that and see if there was any potential there for specifically, you know, just your average, average person, not an elite CrossFitter, someone who's looking for body composition changes or goes to CrossFit just to, you know, get a good workout in. Um, but their main goal is to just get healthy and see some, some body composition improvements. Um, so that was kind of its own whole thing. We could probably do a whole podcast on that, but that propelled me into the keto space and then, um, into the coaching space a little bit more. And I started just experimenting with lots of things myself, um, and then started working with clients, um, specifically women, um, out, out of grad school. Uh, I went to, uh, actually, out of grad school, I got my first job as a a nutrition. What was my job? I don't even remember the title. <laughs> it was a nutrition specialist at a supplement company. I was basically researching ingredients um, and things like that. So that was a cool experience, but definitely not what I wanted to be doing long term. Um, so I ended up just getting more and in, more involved in coaching and started my own coaching practice. Moved out to San Diego um, and got more involved in kind of the low carb space. Wrote a book on keto. And then eventually, you know, over years of just experimenting with myself and working with tons of different women in the space, started to learn obviously a lot more um, and started to be kind of in the weeds of the clinical side of things and not just like the research and and that side of things. And so I learned a lot, um, especially working with women through keto, through um, kind of my own journey and kind of came out on the other side with this concept of, of really focusing on a little bit more balance actually. So using keto as, as a tool, um, but not actually staying there for long periods of time, especially for women who are, um, looking for long-term body composition improvements and overall health, um, and stress reduction and things like that. Um, so that was kind of my journey in nutshell. There's a lot of things I didn't uh, touch on, but I want to stop talking and let you guys ask questions. And I'm sure we'll go down some, some rabbit holes with the questions. So you still do practice some keto or still do incorporate keto into your, into your life? So I would say that it is for myself. I've, I've 
kind of gone away from strict keto for a while. Um, I will say that I do um, still go through protocols of making sure that my body is is as metabolically flexible as possible, just meaning that I'm able to use fats and use carbs, you know, strategically when I'm doing certain activities. Like I'm not kind of, you know, um, in the sense of really strict keto and going into like lower carbs. I haven't done that in, or very low carb. I haven't done that in probably a year. Um, but I have played around with like intermittent periods of fasting. And then within that, you know, inadvertently going into ketosis and and things like that. And then with my clients, it's really on a case by case basis. Um, and like where they're coming from and, and kind of what their goals are and all of that. So I do still use keto as a tool, but it's not something that it's like, Oh, keto is the only way. Um, because it's definitely not. So yeah. When you when you talk about your clients, um, I always like to ask this question of coaches. Like, if you had a if you were to graph out on a bell curve, what's your typical client? Number one, what 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 is their demographics, and then um, what are the top three or four issues that that you see that they report to you as why they come out, why they come to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I work primarily with women. Um, I do have some. Actually, I don't have any male clients as of right now, but throughout the years, I've had a few male clients, but I would say it's like 95% women. Um, and they are probably ages, average between age like 35 to 65-ish is the range. Um, so pretty large range, but kind of on that older end. I would say even, you know... 70 plus percent of those are women who are like 45 plus, 40 to 65. Um, and I think that a few of the main concerns that clients come to me with. The first one is um, I do have a lot of women coming from the strict keto space, right? So they've kind of heard my story over the years and they can relate to it. And so they're looking for more health, uh, sorry, more help um, to find a little bit more balance in their life um, within just nutrition and also exercise and things like that. So I think one uh, one piece would be women who are finding that they have kind of developed some carb phobia, right? So they've been maybe keto or low carb for so long and they end up just, you know, starting to get scared of carbs, right? And they don't know how to reincorporate back in their life. They don't ha- know how to find more balance there. So that's like one kind of pocket of, of the clients that I work with. Another one would be women who have, um, kind of been following along with me in my journey, um, within body composition. So looking to optimize their body composition, um, you know, build muscle, get leaner, things like that. So that's another, I mean, that's probably everybody wants to do that. Um, but that is definitely a subset of women who have maybe been doing CrossFit for a while or been taking, you know, the classes like F45 and Barry's Bootcamp and, you know, been doing all the things and working really, really hard, but not seeing the results that they actually should be getting with the amount of work that they're putting in. Um, and so that is a, that's a piece that I'm very, very passionate about because it's really like 90% of my clients, they're basically doing a lot of work and not getting the reward for it. So I kind of help them to take a step back and look at their life from like a, an entire perspective, um, not just like nutrition and training, but like everything else that's going on and making sure that we are kind of paying attention to the things that a lot of people just don't pay attention to, especially women who are kind of type A, right? Um, forget about recovery, forget about using carbs um, as a tool, right? Um, and forgetting about the things that actually are like the underlying, um, I like to say the least sexy things that make the most difference that people just don't want to or just forget to pay attention to. Um, so those would probably be like the two main 
clientele that I work with. So what would it kind of look like with working with that 90%? I mean, is it changing, you know, their lifestyle and and like you said, maybe taking some breaks between workouts and not doing every single day, going in there and killing yourself in the gym, or is it changing some of their, their eating habits? What is it looking like? Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, there are like a lot of commonalities. Um, and then there's obviously more specifics once we start to get more into like the individual, right? So I, um, I work with one-on-one clients. So I have a coaching business, online coaching. So I have one-on-one clients and then I have my group coaching, which you mentioned in the beginning is called the Flex Fam. So that is a group of um, women in in my membership group. And I would say that within that group, it's really just the understanding or the gaining the knowledge behind the the long term, right? Like taking a step back and really looking at like what have what have they been doing in the past? right? What has worked for short periods of time, but then they haven't been able to maintain that, right? Um, And so it's really kind of like taking an audit of the past few years of what you've been doing. And with those clients, I find that it tends to be a lot of the, um, you know, taking those like high intensity classes, right? Doing a lot of like HIIT training and kind of working out just with the the goal goal in mind to burn calories versus build muscle, um, being like not following a progressive program when it comes to building muscle. So not understanding that in order to kind of change the shape of your body, it's not about constantly restricting and constantly dieting. It's actually about, okay, let's, let's fuel you appropriately so that you can build the muscle, which is going to build the shape of your body. And then eventually we can kind of diet down to unveil that, that muscle. But there's so many women, especially a lot of the women coming into my group coaching who are are stuck in this kind of restrictive mindset. And it's always about like, I want to, you know, be the smallest version of myself. And I know that, or like, I I hope that I'll be happier if I am, you know, I fit into this size pair of jeans, or if I, you know, weigh this amount on the scale, things like that. And it's really like, okay, let's, let's, let's step aside from that. Let's look about, look at the things that really make the most difference for building your best body composition that you can feel the most confident in. Um, And it's when, like we kind of flip this switch of understanding that it takes a long time. It's not just like a three month thing. That's where like the true kind of transformation happens once you can, those things click. Um, and that's really what I like to do is just educate uh, those clients and educate the people in my, in the flex fam about kind of the process and the periodization really. So looking at like, where you want to be in a year from now or where you want to be in two years from now and and use that as kind of your way to reverse engineer how we need to get there through going through different phases of periodizing your nutrition to get to that place versus like, oh, I'm just going to diet until, you know, I get, I lose the 20 pounds and inadvertently that ends up being chronic dieting, chronic cycles of, you know, restriction, binging, all that stuff. Um, so I think that's kind of the main thing. It's like just the education piece behind, like, how do we periodize your nutrition and and what makes the most sense for this? And how do we do it in a way that's strategic and has structure so that you know where you're going and you kind of have a full roadmap. So you're not, you're not guessing, you know, like, okay, what's the next stop. Right. So did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. I was going to kind of just follow into that one with, um, it seems like with with women especially, it's hard to get them to well one eat enough, but two um, to prioritize protein. To the uh, one, if you could touch on that, and then 
The other thing that I've heard you talk about, uh, you mentioned it some here, but in other episodes I've heard you talk about is this, you, you don't have to do, like, like David, you don't have to do these soul crushing workouts like every single time you step into the weight room. So maybe you could talk about a little bit about that too. Yeah, sure. So I think protein is definitely one of the things that um, when women come to me, they're most are under eating protein unless they've been following me for a while and they, and I've hopefully drilled into their head how important it is. Um, but there are still a lot that are under eating protein. And once we just kind of bump that protein up and we start to pay more attention to it and start tracking it, um, and just overall tracking things in general, um, that it, there's a lot of, there's a lot that can come from that where you just like, you don't know until you've until you do it. Right. So with protein specifically, um, I mean, we can get into some numbers and things like that if you want, but I think the general idea is like just paying attention to it, like understanding, okay, how much protein am I actually eating per day? Because a lot of people don't even know that they just, they're not aware of how much they're consuming. Um, and so I think that's just the first step. And you'll hear me say, you probably heard me say this a lot. Like I am a, I'm a huge data nerd. Like I look at the data and I think there's so there's such an advantage to having objectivity when it comes to these things because there's so much variability in everyday life and and all the things that you're doing, right? From your like nutrition every day to your sleep, to your stress, to your training, like there's so many different things to your general movement and if you don't have kind of a an objective picture of how these things are going throughout the course of the day and the week and things like that, then you're never really going to understand like what needs to be adjusted, right? If you don't have that objectivity. Um, so with with all of my clients, we we track the data. Um, we I nerd out on it. Um, and it's something that I think is just it gets like some people get like a bad rap, or some people think that, you know, tracking your food and tracking data, you know, is like obsessive or whatever. And in my mind, it's like, it's not. It's literally like you know, the simple example is tracking your finances, right? Like if you don't track your finances, how the heck do you know <laughs> like where you're at with that? And that's not looked down upon. That's normal, right? That's a normal part of life. So why aren't you using that same concept when it comes to like your health and your nutrition and your training? Um, so that's just a huge piece to kind of round that out. Like awareness with everything and then specifically with protein, I think is just a huge game changer, especially for a woman. Um and then I don't remember the second part of the question. Well, the other part was um, the other part was that you just, I think I've heard you say that once you get to a, a certain point or uh, basically maintaining lean body mass is easier once you've kind of gotten to a point. So this idea that let's say if you've been, especially the classes you described earlier, maybe they've been doing CrossFits and hit workouts and things like that. Like you don't have to be dripping with sweat and un almost unable to walk and throwing up when you, you know when yeah. you get out of the gym. I mean, um, to be able to maintain probably the body comp and everything else you want. You don't have to do that every day all, all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the the big things that I missed for years when I was doing, um, I did triathlons back in, um, back in college, right. you know, I competed in that. Um, and I actually had my worst body composition <laughs> ever when I first got into triathlons. Cause I was kind of in the mindset like, Oh, I'm doing all this cardio so I can just, you know, eat what I want and not really pay attention to that. Um, and then I got into CrossFit and that was, you know, I definitely built some muscle there and changed things along the way there. But 
kind of just going through all the things and taking, you know, clients through, you know, what they've been doing and, and just realizing that like a lot of these classes like CrossFit and Orange Theory and, and Barry's boot camp and all of that, they can be beneficial um if you are a beginner and you're just kind of getting into structured training. Um, but if you've been doing this, like if you'd been doing these types of classes for maybe, I don't know, six months to a year, and you're still kind of at the same place that you've been when you started and like you're not seeing much change in your body composition, it's probably because one, there's obviously a huge nutrition component to that. But two, you're just not building enough muscle. Like you're doing, you're basically doing cardio with weights, right? Like all of these things are car- like Orange Theory at 45, like they're cardio with weights and you're not enlisting what you need to do, or maybe that's not the right word. You're not doing what you need to do really to be able to build muscle to change your body composition. Um, and we know that, you know, building muscle primarily comes from putting your bot, your muscles under tension and progressive overload. And with all of these classes, it's really hard to do that because one, you're not able to track that. You're not following like a structured program um, where you're implementing progressive overload and you're actually lifting heavy enough to put enough tension on the muscle tissue to be able to grow and adapt. Um, So that's like one of the biggest things is just once we can kind of get you, and that's another thing with like my group coaching is once we can kind of change your training a little bit and actually have you doing less um, overall you're, you're doing less, you're training maybe three to four times a week, but you're training to build muscle, right. Not to burn calories. Mm -hmm. When you do that, like it just changes the game and you start to actually build the shape to your body that you've been looking for. Um, and it's, it's just like a whole other ball game with that. So I think that is, uh, one of the biggest things is just like, especially for a woman, it's, it's like kind of getting out of this, constant restriction mindset when it comes to nutrition, starting to feel appropriately with that, but then also kind of shifting gears when you do go into your exercise, you know, each day, it's like, okay, I'm not going into this to, to burn calories, to be able to eat more food or whatever. I'm looking at this to, you know, train to build muscle and put my, my muscles under the tension that they require in order to change the shape of my body. Um, so that's really kind of the the message that I'm trying to get out, especially with women um, when they're looking to to optimize their body composition. You brought up that there's you know there's all these different options that are out there: the F45s, the Orange Theory, CrossFit, all this. And you know, for Josh and I that are trying to help make our overall teams healthier at work, so that you know all the other positives then go with it. Um, where would maybe a business owner or where would you be able to start with a team or what are some recommendations like tracking what you're eating um, that you had mentioned earlier, but are there any other tips or tricks that you would recommend on how to maybe make sure your overall team is healthier, where a starting point can be for some of these people we work with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes like, as your uh, I would say like, are they more so in the beginning side of things? Like maybe people who have never tracked before, or they're just not aware of like maybe their protein movement, things like that. Or is it, are people more advanced? No, I would say it's, it's, it's probably all the above, but it's a lot of the, you know, right in particular this time of year, a lot of people that maybe have started dieting in January, but they're already starting to fall off the wagon. You know, they lost that 20 pounds, um, or maybe they do a little bit of gym activity, but it's, it's kind of the start and stop is probably a, a large portion of them. Um, and then there's some that just haven't done anything whatsoever and, and kind of where would they maybe start? Or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Or so I would say that this is going to, again, come down to come back to what I mentioned before with the 
the planning and the periodization. And when I say that, it's really just like having a long-term plan, right? Because anything that you do right now, like there are so many different things that I can tell you to tell these people to to start, right? Places to start. But if you don't have like an overall roadmap or an idea of where you're going, not just like, oh, I want to lose X amount of weight in in, in three months and, and that's it, right? Or like, I want to look good in a bikini come summertime. If that's like the only like thing that you're thinking about, that's the only uh, guidance or the only uh, plan that you have in place, you're going to end up probably not in a good position, even if you do get to that point, to maintain that or sustain it for for a long period of time. Um, And this, again, just comes back to like years of... (laughs) going through these cycles myself um and you know getting to a place where i was like oh this is this is exactly where i've always wanted to be and then end up a few months later back to not where i wanted to be right and it's because i have no like long term vision of who i want to be or what i want what i want to look like or things like that like and i don't have a plan to do that or a roadmap for the long term so i'll just give you an example like in my group coaching right now we all are going through a two-year periodization. So I have all of my ladies literally planning out the next two years um, and going through cycles of like, okay, when am I going to spend time just at maintenance, right? Building the foundations of what I'm doing, you know, becoming aware of my food, eating enough calories to just sustain where I'm at. When am I going to go into a fat loss phase? When I'm when am I going to potentially go into a building phase, right? Understanding these different things and realizing that. Um, that's where in my eyes we need to start because if you have that overall like roadmap, not that it's set in stone, but if you have like that kind of vision, um, and that roadmap, it just makes everything else make so much more sense. And you have like these, um, kind of stops along the way that allow you to continue to push through these different phases. Um, so I know there's a lot that I'm not mentioning with that, but that's like a huge piece of it, just like an overall long-term plan. And then to get really simple, I think that, if you are on the like beginner side of this, if you're looking to just you know start eating more protein and things like that, keeping things as simple as possible um, from the beginning, I think is super important. So just becoming aware, right? Like, so if you've never tracked your food before, just start, you know, download MyFitnessPal for free, start playing around with it. Realize that just like anything else that you're doing, it's gonna be a learning curve. Um, it's gonna take a few weeks to start to understand how to even use the the app, right? Um, and I think that's where people kind of mess up as they get into it. And they, especially, you know, in the beginning of January, and they're like, oh, I'm going to start this new thing. And it it's hard in the beginning. And they don't give it enough time to become easy because it will become easier the more you do it, just like anything else, right? Um, so I think that's one thing, like, just give it some time. Don't don't give up if it if it gets hard. There's a learning curve that comes with tracking your food. Um, and then just overall, like paying attention to your protein, you know, for most people about a pound, um, sorry, a gram per pound of body weight a day or 0.8 grams per pound of body weight p- per day. If you are like, you know, overweight or obese, um, like over that, I, I like to say, you know, if you're 40 pounds plus overweight, um, you know, bringing it back down to like 0.8 grams per pound, maybe a little bit less. Um, but then once you kind of get underneath that 40 pound mark, usually like one gram per pound is a good range. Um, and so just paying attention to that and then overall movement, like just, are you even tracking your steps during the day? Do you know how much you move? Um, so that's one thing like shooting to kind of maintain, 
uh, or at least become aware of your step count and then start to build that up if you feel like that is uh, doable with your lifestyle. Um, and then the third thing would be just starting to train to build muscle, right? Stop looking at exercise as a means of burning calories or sweating, um, but actually training and following a program that is structured, that is progressive so that you are not wasting your time and you're actually building the muscle to, to change the shape of your body. Yeah, that, that's great. I, you touched on a lot of things I was going to ask. So I appreciate that. Um, because I, what I'm trying to think about, I know David does too, is like our employees and, and our listeners employees are the, the, the nine to five type of mm-hmm. people, right? So um, you got to squeeze this in the stuff you're talking about. You got to find a place to put it in. So I'm assuming in your, in your group coaching and things like that, um, maybe you can expand on, do you talk about how to grocery shop, how to meal prep, um, when to exercise? I mean, I know it probably it gets a little granular at some point if you talk about nutrient timing or carb cycling or things like that. But in general, do you help people structure the program you're talking about around their work day? I mean, they've got kids, uh, family issues, you know, aging parents. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. All the stuff could come up. I'm just curious how you kind of weave all that stuff in. Yeah, absolutely. So I do work with a lot of the women in my program are, you know, busy moms, working moms. Um, And so time is definitely a factor that has to be, you know, considered. And one of the, the biggest things that we talk about is, you know, making sure that, first of all, you understand that if you are like, constantly stressed if you are doing all these things for everybody else your your family your partner your kids and you're not paying attention to like your personal health and and the things that make you confident and make you feel good about yourself if you don't have a grasp on that everything else that you're doing in your life is going to be is going to feel so much harder right because you haven't it's just it's the the analogy that everybody hears right you put your your mask on first before you try to put someone else's on. It's the same concept. Um, If you wake up every morning and you're like, you don't have any like personal development things that you're working on, whether that be with paying attention to your nutrition or your exercise or just making time to go out for a walk alone or whatever you need to do to be able to bring your best self to your family to your friends, to your your coworkers, all of that. If you're not paying attention to that, that's just gonna like it. Just makes everything so much harder. So that's just the number one thing. It's like okay, take a step back and kind of evaluate like where you're at and like is there one thing that you can start to do each week? Like literally just one thing that's for yourself. And I, I like to say, put that thing on your calendar, and it doesn't get changed right unless some emergency comes up. So I say like, you know, put something on your calendar that it's like a meeting with the president of the United States, right? Like you would never cancel that meeting unless, I mean, it depends who you are, if you really want to meet the president <laughs> of the United States, but whatever, you understand the concept yeah. here. Um, maybe it's like a celebrity that you, that you love, right? You would never cancel that, that meeting or that encounter unless something emergent came up. So you have to start by looking at at your personal well-being and your personal development and health and whatever it is just like that and actually schedule it on your calendar or else it's just going to continue to be forgotten about or ignored. Um, So I think that's the first thing. And it's not like, oh, go do these 10 different things. It's like, let's start with one thing. Like, what's the one thing that you know that you can do every day or a few times 
a week that's just for you. And that's working towards or part of working towards the goals that you have for yourself. Um, and then once you get into that, and once you start to feel better about what you're doing and you start to kind of build the habit with that, like paying attention to your own self-care, everything else starts to kind of fall into place a little bit more. And then you can kind of build on that. Um, so that would probably be like the first piece of advice. There's, it's not anything like specific, but it's just, okay, like where can I just start to be a little bit selfish for myself, yeah. knowing that once I can do that, then I can bring my best self to everything else that I'm doing. And then it just becomes something that really becomes addicting because you you start to feel this sense of accomplishment and confidence in yourself because you're able to do these things. And then that just makes life so much easier because other things start to feel easier. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you for that. Yeah. So then one of the things you're trying to really do then is you create a vision for them, the long-term kind of the vision that they have, and then you kind of work it back to the goals that are going to get you to that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a, maybe a, a starting point or a way that you can broach that or that you would recommend? I mean, I know the people that you deal with are coming to you, um, but, you know, we, again, have a wide variety, some that are all on board and they they like that Josh and I talk about health and not only mental health, but physical health. Do you have any ways in which you would recommend maybe talking or broaching the subject to maybe get more on board or to to kind of get the whole team to want to create that vision? Mm-hmm. So I think one one thing would be just like the the community aspect of it too, like being around people who are in the same boat as you, or at least have some of the, the same, um, are are aspiring to the same things that you are, right. Whether it's, you know, and that's where these, these, uh, classes, like going back to the F45 and the, and the, the CrossFit and things like that, there is an advantage to those. Cause you have that kind of family atmosphere. You have that atmosphere of people who are in it, you know, for the same reasons are looking for, for similar things. So, Again, if you are a beginning and you don't a beginner and you don't have the kind of um, bandwidth to feel the motivation to go to the gym alone and like do your own training program, then maybe you do start off in like a class like that and you start there, but you understand that like you know you can only get so far with those depending on what your specific goals are. Um, so I think the community side of it is one thing, like finding people or even just a person uh, like a training partner somebody who has similar goals that you do and and leaning on that for not only accountability but just like the um the ability to have that kind of social aspect to it um so i think that's one thing um what else is that what kickball is for you that you're that's your, <laughs> <laughs> that's your social oh, man. Thing yeah that's my social thing right right now um that yeah yeah getting out and doing things that are uncomfortable at first i think right. or like that you maybe you think in your mind or so, is something that you're not going to want to do and then you just do it and you're like oh crap this is like the opposite of what i thought it was going to be yeah. and it just opens your your eyes to so many new things and experiences and and people um so that's one thing that we talk about too like and, and this is another kind of uh <laughs> thing that everybody hears like nothing's going to grow in your comfort zone right like yeah. What you're doing right now and staying in, in your bubble and your comfort zone, you're just going to stay there. And everything that you're doing is, is going to stay the same. So if you want to enlist change, if you want to, whatever whatever it is, whatever body composition, building muscle, overall health, 
dealing with your stress, you know, all that stuff, you have to do some hard things, right? To jumpstart that. Um, and then those hard things start to to feel easier, but it takes a little bit of uh, getting outside that that comfort zone and some commitment there before you can even kind of get to that next step. Yeah, I like that. Um, I know we got to let you go before too long. I, I wanted to ask one more thing, though, about um, when you're training, especially if you're training a lot of females, um, but I'm sure a lot of them are married or have committed relationships. And I'm curious what you talk about with the dynamic if if the if the partner isn't all the way on board or isn't as supportive as they would be, how important that is. Um, and then the other part of it would be um, if you have a husband and wife that the the differences in in um, men and women are significant. Um, mm-hmm. um, and the, especially our physiology and the way we react to stimulus from exercise, nutrition, things like that. Maybe you could just kind of touch on some of that a little bit too. I know you guys have, on your podcast have talked about some of that. Um, you know, what was the one you guys have? Like women are not just little men or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you and Ashley talked about it, which I think was really powerful. Um, and I enjoyed that one. But um, that and the importance of, again, the supportive um, partner or spouse or whatever it is mm-hmm. to make these things a success. Yeah. So first thing I'll say is that with the the woman versus men, I feel like that could be like its own three podcasts on yeah. its own because there's so yeah. many things to dive into. Um, the kind of general idea with that is that just, you know, in terms of training and nutrition and like the foundations of things, those things typically are are the same between women and men, right? Like women don't need, you know, a specific difference in in macros versus men right i mean well there's a caveat there too (laughs) but basically it all comes down to the stress response and just the fact that like our hormones are more sensitive to excessive stress and uh and things like that and so there's a, a balance that that needs to be had between that and if and just like myself like and even me like i'm continuing to work on this like my 2023 is my year of like really dedicating like my own uh, like kind of putting body composition aside for a little bit and really just focusing on internal health and building that, um, which part of that, the kickball and the social side of things like the, the psychological and, and the mental side goes into it too. So that's kind of all in it. But um, I think with, with women and a lot of the women I work with, it's just like overly stressed, overworking, you know, not recovering properly. And like all of these things can wreak havoc on just your internal health, your hormones, how your body functions, all of that. Um, and there is some differences in in the in the sense of like how much stress we can handle before it's too much and that is actually less than than our male counterparts just sure. simply due to our physiology um so that's kind of a, the overall with that um there's so many different avenues to go down there cool. um but then when it comes to kind of the the partner side of things i think the biggest thing with this is and i work with a lot of um I've worked with a lot of clients through this where maybe like their, uh, their husband, for example, can just eat whatever they want and they feel amazing and they don't ever gain weight or whatever, or they're just not in a place where they, they care about, um, nutrition as much as maybe their, you know, their partner does. Right. So I think the biggest thing here is understanding that you have to have a conversation with your partner that is like sit them down and just like and, and you know go through this yourself first like 
list out like what things are really important to you right now and like the things that you're trying to change for yourself. And it comes back to that, you know, what we talked about before about being a little selfish, right? Um, and kind of understanding that like your partner can't read your mind. They don't know how you're feeling. They don't know, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, and if you don't communicate that, if you don't sit them down and say, okay, these, this is what I'm doing. This is why it's important to me. And this is why I need your support from like a very serious place. Like that is where you need to start so that they can really understand like why, are you tracking your food? Why are you taking this extra time to do this? Why are you, why are there suddenly, you know, tons of protein and vegetables in my refrigerator now that weren't before, right? Like why are dinners different, right? So all these things, like instead of just doing it, um, you know, maybe having that conversation or not, not maybe, but definitely having just a, a full-blown conversation where you can be very, very honest with like what you need to be feel your happiest and and your most confident self um and just communicating that right from the start so that the expectations are kind of laid out um and then you know that's something where you know if your partner doesn't want to participate that's fine like you can't force them to do anything but you should basically have that conversation saying you know this is why this is important to me and i would really appreciate if you could do what you can to you know, be aware of it to support me in whatever way possible. And eventually what I see <laughs> with a lot of my clients is that after a few months, once the conversation happens and the partner becomes more aware of that, then things start to get a little bit better. And then after a few months, they actually start to appreciate it more. And then they want to get on board. Um, so for some people, it takes a month. And for others, it's like six months down the line. They're like, oh, well, now I'm seeing all of the positives that are happening for you. And, you know, I can get on board with this, you know? So I think it's just setting the expectations and having the communication there from the start versus um, hoping that your partner will know what you're feeling or know what you're thinking. Um, because obviously that tends to not be the case for many. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm just, I'm just thinking of the you know the working working class folks, nine to fivers that um so if somebody's gonna make a major change like that, which possibly you know changing your nutrition in your household could be a major thing that you definitely want to have an approach that makes makes sense. That those are that's all good advice. Yeah. 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 And keeping it simple, like I've just finished off there, like keeping it as simple as possible and doing the things that are like the least amount of work from the beginning. Um, so you know, if that is uh, for example, like taking the barriers down to entry, right? So for some people, they just have trouble going to the grocery store every week. Like there's just so many things going on. So it's like, okay, are there things we can do to like bring that barrier down a little bit? You know, we have so much technology these days with like Amazon Fresh or, you know, uh, Instacart, right? Like, why don't you just take that barrier away and do like a simple delivery to your house of, you know, food, right? So it just makes that much easier. Or you, you know, you're struggling to get protein in and you never have, you know, meat around. Maybe you sign up for like a butcher box subscription that you get that delivered to your house every single month. Yeah, that's maybe a little bit more expensive, but in the grand scheme of things, when you kind of do some calculations, it's actually really not. Um, mm -hmm. You get really good quality meats and not just butcher box. There's tons of different places out right, there yeah. um, that end up being a really good price compared to what you're actually paying right now in your grocery store for like quality that is is much lower. Um so it's just kind of like 
reducing those barriers to entry and making it as easy as possible from that standpoint. I think that's a huge piece that like, if you can start to look at the things that are, are kind of creating this kind of cycle of not being able to follow through with what you want to do and, and piecing little things and just building upon that, I think that can be huge for just kind of changing the overall um, success of that. Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Uh, that's the final spot. I think if you just kind of reduce those, like you said, those incremental changes are what, what can really make a difference over the long term. I, li- I like that approach. Um, yeah, and I would just uh, direct any of our listeners to to your podcast, Muscle Science Women Podcast, if they want to dive deeper into this, some of the stuff that we just kind of touched around the edges on about um, specifically about you know training for women and the nutrition for women thing. You guys get into some of that as a male it's I'm a, I'm a listener of your all's podcast because i think it's just interesting to hear you guys kind of talk about how important some of that stuff is and um i just i just think a lot of our listeners could benefit from that but please tell our folks too rachel where they can find more about your your coaching programs um and maybe another mention of your podcast and anything else where they might be able to find that they could connect with you Absolutely. So um, I would say that I'm most active on social media um, on Instagram. Um, So my handle is rachelgregory.cns. So that's kind of the place where all my stuff is, is housed like in my bio, I have links to like all my programs and podcasts, um, the muscle science for women podcast. And then I have two other podcasts um, that are kind of ongoing as well. Um, and then right now my website is metflexlife.com. As we talked off air, I am rebranding a little bit. Um, but if you go to metflexlife.com, you know, for the next few years, it will still <laughs> go to wherever the next rebrand is. Um, but there's actually like, I've had people contact me in the last month, just saying like, I've gotten lost in your website because there's so many free, like, if you don't want to pay for anything, like there's so much free stuff on there in terms of just like content and recipes and blog posts. And like, you can learn a lot by just sitting down and maybe while you're watching TV at night, just kind of scrolling through and like reading a few things, um, or, you know, just listening to a few of the the clips that are there. Um, there's just a lot of information. So yeah, I would say website and Instagram are probably like the two main places to find, um, to find my content. Oh, and then lastly, sorry, I do have a, a weekly newsletter. So on Fridays, I send out a newsletter. Um, it's just kind of a summary of information, tips, things like that. So that's called the Friday Flex. Um, and that's um, at metflexlife.com slash newsletter. You can sign up for that. Okay. Well, I'll make sure that in our show notes, that we'll um, put links to all that stuff too. And uh, awesome. give everybody an opportunity to check that out. So any final questions, final thoughts? Nope. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Healthy Team, Healthy Business Podcast. We had a great time with our guests today and hope you enjoy the content. If you did really enjoy the content, please share this with some of your friends in your network and let them know the great stuff we're talking about on this podcast. We think all business managers ought to make sure that health, whether it be financial, mental, physical, nutrition, or be part of the discussion in the day-to-day operations of their business to have the most effective team for their operation. If you agree with this, send us an email at teamdudes at healthyteamhealthybusiness.net. Let us know some ideas for episode topics, guests you might like to see us have on, or success stories that you or some others might be able to share with us as guests on our podcast. Thanks again for joining Healthy Team, Healthy Business.